0: Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of NYC. For those that don't know what NYC stands for, it's the only city in the world that has the skyscrapers that scream taller than tall. Superman has made movies from it. New York City. And today's edition is no small slight. This is a gigantic edition. First of all, we have (laughs) a Grammy-nominated producer remixer i'll put it to you like this it's incredible when you have a song that is parody. you know when you have a record that was so big and they make a commercial parody out of it in other words in living color i remember back in the day when in living color i let him tell the story those that are old enough to remember the american show in living color had a segment on with one of his artists and i'm not gonna tell the song he'll tell it in his story when he's there but that to me is what i call iconic you know you know we joke about it we've all hung out by the end of the day i have so much love for this man as many people you all hear me talk about god lenny you have so many friends this is what happens in the walk of life you gain friends you gain lifelong friends These people are not just friends. They are what we call our house family. They just don't, you know, they don't come in and out of your life for no reason. You know what I'm saying? So this is the way things go. You just happen to keep them because we are all doing the same. You know, we walk away from each other for a moment. Maybe we don't speak like all the time. But then when we come together, within two seconds, we pick up. Could be five years, one month, or two days like that. Yeah. So, around the world to people tuning in, you know how I all tell the English because it's that evening time. It's seven o'clock, 702. Go get your wine, get your cheese, get your beer, get your drinks because this story, of course, is going to get deep, it's going to get real. i like to introduce to you from Baltimore, Maryland a great man himself, an icon, okay? he's a, is iconic. I don't care what he says. He's Teddy Douglas. We love him. He's a teddy bear, but God damn, he's made some <laughs> amazing records. And that's of all. He's as good as his last record and every record is better than the other. So- oh. <laughs> on that note, welcome Teddy Douglas.
1: Wow, thanks, Lenny. <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. That was amazing. That intro was bananas. You got to come on, go out on the road with me. <laughs> what here, he told me, he says, when well, I need somebody to do, a, do, a,
0: do an introduction, I'm making sure you do it by introduction. I'm like,
1: hey. Yeah, man, that was that was dope. <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. Thank you for having me, man. It's, it's, it's an honor to do this. So many of my peers I've have done this show with you. So, um, I'm glad to do it. Yeah. glad to do it. We've known each other forever. <laughs> well,
0: I'm going to tell you for those, I mean, I've watched Teddy's career start from the first record on, uh, uh, God. Cynthia, record. Yeah. Cynthia Cherry's label that Cynthia she was, Cher- it was a uh, Jonathan Mann's label. Cynthia Cherry was oh. the a person. You know, yeah. And I, I love Don't Live Here No More. I mean, Tony Humphries killed that record on,
1: on Zanzibar and Kiss. Yeah. That's where where our relationship began with Tony Humphreys, um, from that record. You know, Cynthia Cherry signed that record to the Welcome to the Club compilation first, before it was a single. And um, I'll never forget, Lenny, the last night at the uh, Paradise Garage, the the closing party. Larry. Yes, go ahead. Two songs off of that but mainly that Lisa Mitchell, Come to My Rescue, he played that like... Thirty times. <laughs> well, but well, we had to track the lead track on that album. Love don't live. I did the lead vocals. I didn't want to be a, a vocalist, and that's how this whole production thing. Wait, you did that? You um, lead? That was me singing the lead. Yeah, no, 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 Let me tell you something. That was funny because I did the demo, and we took it up to yeah. Cynthia Cherry, and we got in our office, and she was like. They love my vibe, you know, but we we came back to New York and we had this girl was like, well, you know, I just sang the demo. She's really going to sing the record. And Cynthia was like, uh, no. <laughs> Either you sing the record or bag the deal. No deal. So me, Jay and Tommy, we went to a little huddle, you know, discussed it We're like, hey, yo, you got to sing this record. You know what I mean? Was like, I was like, really? They starved me. Then we recorded this in John Demand's apartment in New York City. The rest is history. Okay, but I'm gonna tell you what
0: I rocked that record hard. <laughs> Those that know, no classic. I've actually played it and talked about it on radio shows. Since Teddy Douglas's first record out the box was a big That's a
1: classic. Yeah, yeah Rolls Royce record. Yeah. Okay.
0: Baby. All right, Teddy. Teddy Bear. Here we go. How does music find the young Teddy Douglas, the
1: kid? The kid. Where does it begin for you, brother? Well, probably from the the beginning of conception, because my mom used to tell me all these crazy stories about when I was maybe like four or five years old, I could, I would, I have the record player actually still in my in my house now when i was a kid i couldn't read or anything but i would identify the color of the label obviously of what the song I identified the song with the and i could play records she said i would go over there and she she was amazed she was like why is this this kid is amazing he's playing records he can't read the records he knows exactly what he's he's playing and 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 she should tell me like my dad used to take me uh to get my hair cut and he used to all, the, all the, the the fellas in the barbershop and by coming home with a pocket full of dollars. And my, my mom said, how'd you get all this money? Well, every record that played on the radio station while I was getting a haircut, he would bet all the people in the barbershop that I could name the record that was playing. he bet them all a dollar. I bet my son could name all the records that's on that radio right now. I'm get a dollar for me, plenty of y'all. And he come home with a pocket full of money. <laughs> because that's just, so that's where it found me. And, um, I don't forget this record stop where I grew up, um, on the East side of, of Baltimore city called jet set records. That's where I used to buy all my 45s back then. It was mainly seven inch 45s. And then LPs, but I would buy that, that record store would be forever. And, and then Lenny, I just started collecting records, you know, and loving music. And my, my, my aunt was, um, she she like jazz. Uh, she she babysat me a lot when I was a kid, so I discovered jazz mainly through her. But the whole musical thing was 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 all over the place with me. Mean, of course, I grew up with Jackson Five and and the whole soul thing, and and of course the the gospel thing because I grew up in a Baptist church. But um, I knew you know that all, that. I knew I- all. Yeah. 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 I grew up. I grew up that way, you know, because my fa- my family is all, you know, I mean, the whole black experience, you can't have that without the gospel. That's the whole scare, the whole black experience. You know, like, you have to have that. So um, and then you put all that together and then you this is what basically and then when I when I grew up in high school and discovered disco, like around like 78, 79, Discover Disco Music. Man, you you put all those things together and then that's that's who I am, basically. Disco dancing Teddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. Because I know you can dance. I've seen you dance, boy.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I dance. That's what I used to do. I used to go to clubs. I mean, that dancing was was... And I don't, I don't trust no DJ that doesn't dance or can't dance. I don't trust them. You got to know how to move.
0: <laughs> I've said that all the time. You can't dance. You can't feel the music.
1: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> now,
0: do you have any, for those out there, uh, do you have any musical training? Did you take any instruments as you were younger in high school or, or middle school, any of that stuff?
1: I basically took two classes. I started off at, uh, in high and, uh, on a drum. I remember I had two classes, a drum school where I was drumming, I like a drum class, a uh, musical class. And I, le- I I left that alone. I maybe did like a, a year or whatever. And then I did guitar for a little bit and left that alone. I didn't f- follow through with anything, but. What's interesting about that, Lenny, is that um, I can hear all the, the instruments in my head. I work with some incredible musicians through the course of my career. And basically, when we're in the studio, I'm saying, hey, play this, play this, play this. A lot of, you know, that happens quite often. So most times, that's the way it goes. Also, you know, sometimes they give me demos or whatever, but. So I hear the music, but I just can't play it. If I could play it, I probably wouldn't need anybody. I'd probably be Prince or something. I don't know, but I can't play. I don't have any musical training. <laughs> I could fumble around on guitar and stuff, and you know, but nah, no training, no official. No.
0: Well, it's okay,
1: you know. Look, you no, know, it's it's good, man, because I do some crazy shit. Musicians be like, what the hell? All right, but it works. I
0: mean, so you so let's talk about high school into the DJing part because I know you played, I know you worked in the music industry in the shops and stuff. So you'll t- you'll fill this in for us. So yeah, now
1: um so so like I was saying, Jet Set Records was I was about twelve years old, maybe still buying records as a kid. I have an incredible rec- amount of records in my house. <laughs> And um and in high school, it was all about this club here in Baltimore called Odell's. I, I probably everybody's known. This was like our Paradise Garage here in Baltimore. So around uh, my junior year in high school, which would have to be around like um 80, 1980, 81, I think I graduated in 82, I had a group of friends that we were we were all like like the cool kids in high school, you know, we wore penny loafers and Aztec shirts, all the stuff the kids are into now. We did that, like in the eighties, like that's the hot top thing. And we would hang out in the alleys, the side alley of Odell's, because you, we couldn't get in; we was too young. <laughs> but the birth of the they had a, they had a Richard Long sound system in there, you know. This Wayne Davis was the DJ, who just my best friend ran to, to this day. But they had a Richard Long sound system in it. But on the alley, you could just... Add, you could imagine being in the club. It was so fucking loud. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And... Um, we, didn't, we, we didn't get... I didn't get into a club like that um, in high school until my, my senior year. And... Um, but, like, the proms and all this stuff, you know, we would... They would ask me, you DJ, tell you DJ to DJ now. I had a, a friend who um actually is my my very close friend, Greg Lewis. We went to high school together. And um he engineers all my records now. And like uh, that's just like that's my brother from another mother. Um he, he used to come over to my house after school and teach me how to put records together. And I'm I'm, I'm he's probably going like, man, I didn't teach you He always said, Man, you already had it. But he was the guy that helped me understand uh, tempo, and I had my little Gemini mixer, a little two-track uh, Gemini mixer. They won tech. They won twelve hundreds. They were like belt-driven turntables with the straight arm. <laughs> and um, man, we would come over and we would and we would act like you know we O'Dell's was all our inspiration. I had these big fake birthers in my room that I built. Stacks in my room, you know. that <laughs> It was all about Odell's. You know that was that was for us. So that's yeah. where you get the muse from. You know, I always tell,
0: yeah. I tell everybody that's you know you got to have that foresight to the tunnel to see what's at the end, and that's what you wanted. You know, it's like it's like I can imagine you in the. In that in that area next to Odell's, and you hear a boom 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 boom.
1: No, we boom, boom, boom. It's just that stuff. <laughs> <They hit her. sighs> And then the people and shit, and we would be like, "Damn, I can't." So the, so imagine, you're imagining, you're imagining what's going on. You're not, right. You're so imagine when we got in, though. That's the, imagine the day that we actually got into Odell's. It was euphoria. It was like. Ah, the heavens opened up, <laughs> and we got in mainly on the Monday night. Monday night was the gay night, and Ooh, it, was, it was the best night actually to get into the club because the all the queens was turned. I mean, it was Wayne, and we had this this uh, guy. It was like a transvestite. His name was TJ, and he would get on the he would get on like at the end of the night. Wayne would let him get on, and he would just send the club off into a frenzy. It was the and when we got, to, I'm telling you, Lenny, it was the it was the best feeling to actually get inside O'Dell's. You know, and that's how I got to know Wayne and and that was, that inspired me. It's like, yo, I want to be a DJ. You know, this is this is what I want to do, man. I it, this is this is what I want to do, and I followed that. I, right after that, I we graduated high school. I, the first thing I did was I was always in there. I worked at a record store. And uh, the first record store was uh, House of Power on Howard Street. That was the main drag on Howard Street. They had a chain of record stores, Sound of Baltimore with Scotty B. And, and they were developing the, the Unruly Sound, like the Baltimore Club Sound. And we were developing the Basement Boys Sound, which we didn't even know what we were doing, because I met Jay and Tommy through the record stores. You know, that's where everybody met. You know, actually, we I knew Byron because he worked at a record store in Chicago. And it was about the record stores around that. This was like 82, 83, around that time, right after I graduated high school. And I just stayed, I was in the record stores, man, for like nine years. You know, different record stores. I ended up at the the tip top, the best record store in Baltimore was Music Liberated. It's where Tommy worked uptown, I worked downtown. And Jay was frequently in there. So that's how we all met. That's how Tommy and, and Jay and I met. That's how the basic Boys formed itself. That's how the Basin Boys formed from the record store mm-hmm. and the clubs, of course. We all hang up the same clubs.
0: So you were the actual. Were you doing like sort of like what Manny Lehman was doing? Working the
1: working the records, selling them counterwise. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We were we were the tastemakers. We we had records. We would listen to this many records and decide these are the records that are going the wall. These are the records that. And that's missing, I think, today. There's no guys that saying, look. These are the hot records, you know, or no, you know, because you, or the DJ would go to the club and the DJ like Wayne would play all this Italian house music and, um, you know, it, he would have a very uh, eclectic style of, of, of playing at Old We would hear Yazz, yes, we would hear ESG, Klein and Bo, um, just all types of music. Um, that would be sold in the record store. You know, we actually sold those records. If Wayne played at Odell's, we had it in the record store, you know? Right. And that whole that whole connection between the record store, like Tony had it in Jersey, the moving records in the Danza Bar. You know, that that whole thing is that's 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 gone forever. I know, it sucks. That it, totally sucks. <laughs> it
0: sucks, everybody. You don't know. I talk about this all the time. The you know, there's that movie that Ice Cube is in, um uh, a barbershop. Yeah. Those that can relate. The record shop was like barbershop. Right. And it was like, we would meet people. We would make deals. We would hang out. we go to club spots. Records were traded off. People found out the drama. Everything was in the record shop. When that died, the shop. Yep. a lot of us felt like our heart went with it.
1: Yeah, That's man. It, it And I, re- I remember me having to, to work... Like, to, to a corporate level, to re- even to maintain, because that's when I was actually independent, man. I was moving out of my mom's house. So I had to wear a suit and tie. I ended up working at Soundwaves. I was, I was like, the corporate man for, like, a chain of record stores at the, in the end, you know. Because, yeah, I had to do it. Put on a suit and tie every day. I was the manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's how I was able to move out and, and be independent. And still do my thing, you know, which a lot of kids don't understand And That's a lot of, I mean, all these steps where I look back were essential to where I landed. Essential.
0: Yeah. Well, that's part of also it's kind of like record business 101. Exactly. Where's your like, record? This is my
1: college? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You learned everything about how to make a record work. From, right. From, right. The, from the street level all the way to corporate. All the way to Colbert, right, exactly. exactly. Did you have any dreams of being this record producer? And and when you were at the um, time to watch, I should say watch, when you saw everybody around us, because you remember, you know, you had Shep and T. Scott and all right. the big names were remixing like crazy. Were you, I mean... I, the, yeah. part, the furthest dream I had was just to play at a big nightclub in New York. With them. I was like, I never
1: thought about going into actually a studio at that time. It was like, that was either, like, Lenny, to be honest with you, we, we, we were just happy. Our whole thing with Basement Boys was we just wanted to take the record from the studio to the club and play it. <coughs> so, you're <he> funny. <wanted> <laughs> simple,
0: simple, simple math. Just Do like that. one, you didn't care about six thousand million. You didn't care about any of that extra stuff. All you wanted was to
1: see something sparkle off of what you did, right? Exactly. We would take cassettes. We had this pitch tape cassette to the club. There was no, and re, you know, and just just get a reaction. I'll never forget. I might be moving ahead a too far, but you know, th- those those. Those times where we took those demos straight to a club and that reaction. Oh, man, man—it gives me chills,
0: man. I tell everybody I love. So now you're hanging out on the side and everybody's come up going, yo, what is that? And you're like, just like watching everybody going and they say, yo, it's his, it's homeboy's record. Right. You and everybody's like, yo man, can I, get a re- can I get a copy? What was the answer? Well, I was still working on it,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Back in the day, man. So, so basically, you know, we just we we met in the record store, this is like 84, 85. I met Tommy. And Jay and Jay and Jay and Tommy were already doing stuff like tracks, like just like beat tracks, like the same stuff that was coming out from from Chicago, like with no vocals on it, just like DJ tools. Okay. And um, Tommy said, "You know, why don't you why don't you join? See what we're doing. You know, maybe you know help us. You know, do what we're doing." So I I came to Jay's apartment my idea was, hey, let's put a song on these things. Let's take this one step further. And that's how Love Don't Live Here um, came out, because we took that ballad from Rose Royce, and I, I sang the lead vocal. <laughs> and that was our big first demo. Actually, that was our second demo. The first one was... uh Song called "You Gotta Be Tripping" was a a loop of going up in smoke. Eddie Kendrick, and I sang over top of that like "Gotta be tripping, baby," like some Ad Lib stuff, you know. <laughs> it was it was funny, and we it was that love, "Love Don't Live Here" and something else on a demo that we gave to Cynthia when we went to New York, and we didn't even have a name. We were in the car, and like we was like, "Yo." We don't have no name. What are we going to call ourselves? With? And I said, well, we the studio was in the basement. And somebody said we were boys or something. And when when somebody, I don't know who said it, but when, when somebody said basement boys, it, the car was silent for about 15 minutes because we knew that was his name. So uh, by the time we got to New York, we got to Turnpike, we got to New York, we got to the, to the Jump Street office, we had a name. We had a demo, and we was ready to go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man, it was amazing. So
0: actually, uh, you're driving from Baltimore up 95 North. Okay. Well. And 15 minutes inside, everybody went quiet after the, the basic boy's name was said, let it be written, so let it be done, Yeah, basically. And then you were like, bet, we're going to go to her office. And I know, explain that excitement of getting your first
1: record deal. Because people don't know what that's like unless you um, I mean, the, the excitement came basically to me from um, actually hearing somebody play the record. You know, when Tony Humphreys decided that he was going to remix the record and we went into the studio with him, this is Tony Humphreys. You
0: know? <laughs> <I> think- <laughs> What's that, everyone- God! 98.7 Kiss.
1: Master. at that time, exactly. At that time, Tony was. If he played your record on the radio, you will fuck, he gave everybody careers. Blades. thank you. I've said, uh, if it was, we oh. wouldn't have careers without that man. That's right, Louis Vega. Everybody, 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 everybody. everybody today <laughs>
0: Aaron, had to have their record played on that show and it. Right. Wow, Cause he ran right. records for months before they were on Tony around. was a Tony was a
1: huge fan <laughs> of our music. I mean, huge. and then when or huge, <laughs> huge and I mean, I I had called Blanche Lenny. I could go to this dance ball and say, Carl, Tony had a phone in his DJ booth. He had a phone in his DJ booth. I know he get a phone like yo Teddy downstairs. Tony would say, send him up. Send him up. <laughs> I had the reels we was coming up with the joints. Man, numbers of the days, man. Let me you one more time.
0: You ready? What? So, how did it feel when you heard tonight's mix is mixed by Tony Humphreys and you heard your song on the Kiss Master Mix? Because I know how I felt. They used to send me
1: tapes from New York.
0: I screamed. I screamed. I was <laughs> 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 going nuts in the car. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. I was probably
1: screaming. Yep. So, man, yeah, it was a great feeling, man, to have that first record. And then to go to the garage. Cynthia said Larry played it after. I didn't hear it actually. She stayed. But I, I stayed to the, at the garage to like two in two in the afternoon from the, the next day prior so I was out of there. I had enough. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so um
0: I mean because he played the closing weekend party it was what the closing
1: weekend party. Oh, I went there Saturday. The awesome. line was the line was wrapped around like three blocks. All night and all day. It was the it was it was my it was one of my greatest experiences though as a young as a young guy to to actually be, you know, it, 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 I, that was like my third or fourth time going to the garage, but the closing party was pretty special. Yeah, man. And and the only way I got in, because at that time we had a club called the Clubhouse in here in Washington, D.C. And if you were a member of the Clubhouse, you, you, you they are. They honored your Clubhouse membership at the garage. You had an alliance. Because, you know, everybody said they went to the garage, but they're lying. They didn't go to the garage because it was damn near impossible to get in there. <laughs> they're lying. It was very, very hard to get into the garage. <laughs> you didn't know somebody. Well, you member.
0: The only reason why I always got in was David Lozada. And then when Carl Buyers came in with Master c and J, I I knew them. And I knew Rick Lenore when they all came. I was right. so Right. I- then how hard it was to get it in it was a private
1: party. club, you know what I mean, for Vato. Very hard. <laughs> so, man. So, so right after that, I I decided that Teddy Duggins was not singing. I did two shows. I did the Catacombs in Philadelphia, and I did the Clubhouse in Washington, D.C. See, now the I big know. Children's Hour Party, and I and I said that is it. <laughs> So that started the whole. We got to find talent, you know, and and there we went on to this whole kind of talent search where we just we found Andrea Holclaw, first record on Profile, uh, called "Don't Blame Me," and uh, she was a she was a girl hanging out in the club. We found her, and then went into another kind of like star search cattle call. And um, this girl sang this song called Angel by Angela Wimbush, Smokies, We had like eight people lined up. She Like one after the next, they would go in and sing a song. And she sang Angel by Angela Wimbush, a ballad. And she had this real dope tone. It was Smokey. Her name was Ultra Nate. And um, we signed her. You know, so we started our production company. You know, we started to start thinking about, like, the future and how he was gonna build his company and the Drava Star went on to just you know, looking for talent because I was not singing another damn record. <laughs> and well, that's
0: why, why that whole why did you decide not to go further with the singing career? Because I
1: can't sing. I'm not a singer. <laughs> I and I work a lot with singers because I can give them the vibe, you know. Because if I could sing and if I can play, I wouldn't I wouldn't need nobody. Dude, you did really good. Because we all played that record. You yeah, really I
0: know. <laughs> such thing as in those days like melodyne. You know, it was not like yeah, that. Yeah, melodyne. Yeah, know that. You were just whatever we put down. If it wasn't right,
1: you recut the part. Well, I had to do it over and over and over. They wouldn't feed me, and I, I, wouldn't, I didn't get. Ah, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> wow, it's traumatic thinking about it. You're like, forget it, forget it. So, so man, I mean, that's so. I decided, you know, you know, we we need to find, we need to find some, we need to find people that really sings.